Welcome to this second episode of TM Radio entitled Women at the Forefront. In our discussion, we're talking about the course of women throughout history. We highlight True Mother's course as the only begotten daughter, and we also reflect it back on ourselves. What can we take away from this experience as women in our families, in our relationships, and in the work we do? Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining TM Radio. We're here with our second episode today, and we are reading a speech from True Mother, which she gave on April 21st, 2022. This is her message at the celebration of the 30th anniversary of the founding of WFWP. And I will say when we were there live in Korea, it was so lovely to see all the women gathered together. Usually it's a lot of men in these speeches and, and different conferences, but this was the most colorful event because women are colorful and I loved it. Joining me today to share their thoughts, their thoughts, their insights and experiences are two awesome women. And my dear friends, I'd like to welcome Katerina Connery. She is the Vice President of Women's Fed USA. And we also have Grace Kisile. She is the Administrator for Women's Fed International, the UN office. Why don't you both say hello, ladies? Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining, ladies. All right. So we're going to get into it. True Mother's speech starts with, Since the fall, human history has been dominated by men and marked by conflict and war. Especially in medieval Christian Europe, the status of women was not visible. Yet when nations faced a crisis, it was the women who stood at the forefront. Especially following the death of Jesus, the people of Israel, as a people without a nation, wandered around for 2,000 years. However, Israeli women and mothers continued the traditions of Judaism in their homes, enabling Israel to become what it is today. Now, what I love about this paragraph is, it, you know, your mother's kind of starting off strong here and just telling it how it is. And, you know, it's true when I think about history and, and all the war and difficulty uh, it's been men leading the way. And of course, we know not all men are that way, but there's been some kind of archangelic culture that has mm, permeated the male leadership for most of human history. But mothers really honoring and recognizing the women who maybe are not written in the history books are not as recognized, you know, even in the Bible are not as recognized, but it's the women who stood at the forefront, she says, and she's particularly honoring the Israeli women and the Israeli culture, which, you know, they lost their home, they lost their identity, they uh, really had a difficult history, but mother's saying that the Israeli women then and now continue to keep their tradition and their families alive, which is, you know, a good reflection of us, right? It's as unificationists, we don't necessarily have a nation. We don't have Chenoguk in the physical form just yet. I feel like she's saying to us that we also have that responsibility, the women, to keep the traditions alive in a meaningful and substantial way and look for, you know, maybe not alternative, but non-traditional ways of, of moving history forward, which is different from many of our male counterparts. Yeah, um, actually, while you were reading this, of course, she's talking about 2000 years ago and like kind of history, but even today, you know, we have so many 
wars and conflicts. Usually with these wars, it's it's the women who suffer the most. When there's war, there's a lot of uh, rape of women. And then, you know, when the men go out and they're fighting and, you know, brothers die, husbands die, fathers die, and then women are kind of left behind to kind of pick up the pieces, you know, especially for more patriarchal societies where women don't have a lot of rights. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you lose the man in your family, you kind of lose your livelihood. Yeah, I was just thinking about the the other side. Yeah, there's a lot of research that's been done that when women are included in the peace process, you know, women really feel a lot more strongly like war destroys my family and I need to, I need to keep my family together. <laughs> this is yeah. terrible. So, and then when, so when women are included in the peace process, then it's um, a lot more likely, it's a much more smooth process and coming out with more long-term and sustainable solutions. What comes up for me in like this area is, <laughs> it's just interesting because I, this is what I wrote on for my final thesis, capstone, there we go, capstone paper for my bachelor's was on the role of like maternalism in resolving conflicts, especially in conflict-ridden societies. In a different translation of this speech, what it says actually is that the role that within the Jewish faith, the role of the mother was emphasized. And so I think that's just so interesting because it's something that you can, that has been like an observable phenomenon, has research behind it, where when women, yeah, like you were saying, Katerina, you know, maybe kind of men are on, only have a voice in certain societies and stuff like that. Actually, it's also known that when conflict starts to go up, when there's a destabilization in a society, um, the gender divides or whatever you want to call it kind of become stronger. But actually within those situations, when women lean into their identity as mothers, they can actually get hurt. It's happened in Liberia with the Mass Action for Peace. It's happened in Argentina. It's happened in different places, the Naga women. So it's just interesting here because sometimes you don't really see that. Like maybe we start out kind of, women will start out using their identity as mothers or something, but it can quickly devolve into something more. And that can be like received more by maybe the society. You see then a certain kind of uh, transformation after that into something that isn't as well received. And so it's just interesting here that Mother Moon, yeah, she's really emphasizing the point that the Israeli women were able to preserve their society and were able to carry things forward because they embraced their identities, really mm -hmm. like saw the value of that. That's what I see in this situation. Yeah, I mean, that's powerful. And I think most people know, but to put it in, into context, in the, the Jewish tradition, it's the maternal line that carries the lineage, which is pretty atypical from our Western society. You know, we take the, the father's last name and... Yeah, there's, I don't have a problem with that, but it does say something unique about the Jewish tradition and why mother's kind of recognizing it. And it's a substantial example. I mean, I remember one time we were meeting with Sanjanim and I, my youngest son, I think he was like three or four months, very little. 
and I brought him with me to the meeting because something happened, right? I couldn't get babysitting or whatever. <laughs> and I was apologizing. I said, I'm really sorry I had to bring my baby with me. And her response was like, what are you talking about? I think all meetings should have babies in them. If we yeah. had babies in meetings, we wouldn't have war. <laughs> and, you know, even though it was kind of said in, in a joke manner, I it actually really struck me that it's true. That's what moms do, right? We We don't always have the luxury of dropping off our kids. Sometimes they have to come with us to things. And it makes you approach things differently, makes you a little more well-rounded because your child is there always in your mind um and so I think that's the power of mothers in leadership is that it's even if your children are not with you you know physically I think internally mentally artistically they're with you and you approach things differently because you never can separate from them in your mind and in your heart you're always thinking about them (laughs) yeah you can't help it (laughs) so continuing on in the speech mother says At this time, when we are working to firmly establish Chanogok on True Parents' victorious foundation, the role of women is quite important. Women must take the lead and teach others about Heavenly Parent. The only way for fallen humanity to return to the embrace of Heavenly Parent, our Creator, is through True Parents. Therefore, you who have received the blessing need to teach all of of fallen humankind from your families to your tribes, nations, and the whole world, so that all fallen people can rise to the position where they can gain the qualifications to attend our Heavenly Parent. Do you understand what I mean? First two sentences of this to me, I think, are a big highlight. I mean, Mother's very clearly saying that when we're trying to work to establish Chanogook, based on True Parents Foundation, the role of women is very important. She says that very clearly. And she says that women have the responsibility to teach about Heavenly Parent. And I know we've discussed this before in other situations, but I've questioned myself, you know, this speech was was given to a women's fed audience. It's different from the UPF audience and the UPF leaders. And the tone of what Mother's talking about, the content is very different from what she will say to, you know, my group of people. And I wondered about that. And it's very clear to me that that True Mother is asking the women. She trusts the women to be the ones to actually educate people, particularly about Heavenly Parents. She trusts the women to be able to deal with the family situation and the culture situation. And, you know, UPF is a, a mostly masculine type leadership. It has a lot of male leaders, but it is a more yang type organization. And I think UPF has certain things that it offers and mother expects certain things from it. But it's very intriguing that she's looking at the women, women's fed, which is more than just women's fed, right? It's all of us women. And she's giving us guidance that is different from what she gives to all the other leaders. And I appreciate that because it, you know, I resonate with that. It makes sense to me. So actually, yeah, I really love this sentence that, you know, women must take the lead and teach others about heavenly parent. That makes me think of, and actually, yeah, I was reflecting on this the other day that, you know, two parents taught that like the parents are like the representative of God to their children in their family. When you're a child, like your parents are like the best ever, right? (laughs) They're like basically God to you. So when you're in that role and you have to try to be the best that you can be for your child. So you're giving a good, you're giving God's love, not just like, because we all have hangups and you know right. issues we need to, to work through. But, and I think particularly, of course, is 
we're talking about heavenly parent for women is you know the heavenly mother's love you know mother god and um which has been missing throughout history and you know we've had a lot of heavenly father's love which has you know has gotten us to this point but heavenly mother has missing and hasn't been fully expressed so i feel like yeah if women and when we become mothers or we're in a motherly role to someone i'm thinking about this a lot you know how can i embody and kind of be the channel of God's motherly love. Mm -hmm. So then that is the education, not just like, hey, you guys, God is like this and this, (laughs) listen to me. But like, just through my example and through the way I am and the kind of love I'm portraying, people naturally say like, oh, wow, this is God. And Mm -hmm. God is a mother too. Yeah, I appreciate that. Actually, I really resonate with that, the embodiment point. I think sometimes we think of educate and we already, we go to the intellect. Get that a human being is a reflection of God and God is what a being of emotion, intellect, and will. I mean, it's true. Like if the family is a school of love, then you need to teach true love in your family. At least from my own experience, you can say one thing, but if you're not that, your children see that. I think all of us have had that experience because our parents are growing themselves. When we see that kind of dissonance, I think a lot of us as second generation, that that's been a point of anger. And for that, I just do want to say like, you know, that's just, that's literally the situation for everyone in the entire world. So don't, we really need to start to understand that our parents are doing their best and like all of that. But, you know, of course, there's if you're going to have difficult emotions and that you need to overcome. I think as as women, mother is really calling us to educate through example as well. Mother, just as much as she might say things. I mean, if you know anything about mother's course, she didn't say anything really for a very long time. And maybe you can take it from the perspective of like, oh, poor mother, like pushed in the background and stuff. But I think she was actually going through her course to raise herself up. So it's interesting at the end here, you know, it's talking about rising to the position where you can gain that qualifications, right? Mother did the work to gain the qualifications to be able to talk about what she talks about. I think in the same way, like what I feel for myself is it's a call to humble myself and to see where I'm not yet practicing the principle in my own life and really continuously working on that so that I can authentically be able to teach that to my children or teach that to my children figures or something like that, (laughs) you know? And anyway, like we, I think we all know that like leading through example, like just works better. (laughs) Yeah, that's such an incredible point. And I, I, I can't believe I've never thought about it that way, but it's true that that is what mother actually means when she's talking about women educating people is that, you know, we, we're practical, right? We're the ones dealing with real life and the family situation and you know we have to model it we can't be inauthentic in it because we're dealing with the the crises at home and I just have to share one like proud mom moment from last night where so we sing a song at night and one of the song words in it says the word mankind and my both of my daughters are like why do they say mankind and I have to explain, okay, well, and, you know, before they didn't recognize women as, as valuable. And so they would say things like mankind. Now we say humankind, but, and they, it stuck with them. They get upset about it. And so last night she was like, mom, why do they say mankind? That really makes me mad. I was like, yeah, okay. And I explained, okay, but you know, that's why what true mother doing is doing is very important because 
she, you know, from the time of the fall, women haven't really took their rightful position. And that's why she's working so hard. Then she turned to me and she was like, mom, when I get older, I want to be like you and true mother. And I was like, yes, (laughs) proud moment. (laughs) That, you know, for her, it's, it clicked, right? It clicked the value of women and she wants to stand for it. So I've always wondered what my children perceive the life that I live, right? That I, I travel and I go do things, but it's very meaningful to me that she sees in my life and in my example, the meaning behind what I'm doing. Okay, so moving on. She says, doing volunteer work is good. She's talking about some of the work of Women's Fed. It is what we have been doing until now. There are more than 200 nations on this earth with many problems. Nevertheless, we also need to let them know the essence with which they were born and help them realize that the only way for them to be blessed is to become our heavenly parents' children through true parents. In particular, as this Korean peninsula, this nation that is meant to become our heavenly parents' homeland, walks the path to becoming a heavenly unified Korea. True parents' efforts, as well as your own, are required. However, its people need to know the truth of the providence, the essence of the creator, and the purpose for which they were born. We must make them aware that people are not worthless beings motivated only by self-gratification. The ending part of this paragraph really sticks out to me that in many of True Mother's speeches lately, she's been using this language. And of course, this is translation, right? But she's been using this language of the truth of the providence must be revealed. What I feel from that is, is True Mother is still in the process of bringing everything to the forefront, right? And I'm sure it was the same for Father, is that Father couldn't always say everything he wanted to say because of our limitation, because we hadn't quite really understood his heart and his mind. And I think the same is true of mother. But this point that she's hinting at is that she's looking to us, especially women in the speech, as being the ones who can really teach. And now we're talking about modeling the truth about the providence. I think it has to do with, you know, who heavenly parent is. She says the essence of heavenly creator and the purpose for which they were born. And then this last sentence where she's talking about helping us to see that, you know, people are not just selfish people, which is hard to to feel that, you know, in our world today, especially in America, there's so much selfishness. And, you know, I was just talking to a friend who came back from, you know, Southeast Asia, and the culture is totally different, right? There's a the village mentality, there's the community culture. But in America, we you know, we just want to go to our house and, you know, there's this like, give me my space. I don't want to interact because I'm comfortable and I'm in the space. And I'm not judging anyone because I'm kind of like that sometimes too. You know, True Mother's asking us to educate and highlight this point that we human beings are much more than that. Our true essence, our true nature is from God, which is, you know, the the never ending love and life force that doesn't run out, that gets more energy when it gives and gets more energy when it's in relationship. And I, I feel like that's what she's asking us to, to teach about, but also tap into in our personal lives. Like Katerina, you're talking about, you know, as a mom, trying to tap into being God's representative of love. We don't have 
the quality of love our children deserve, but God does. So how do we become this force that just allows God's pure, perfect love come through and not just our limited ability to care for our children while we're still growing? Actually, the alternative translation translation of that that last sentence is also very interesting to me. I mean, it's basically the same, but she says that we need to understand once again that the purpose of our lives transcends our own selves, not just like like self-gratification, but also transcending ourselves. You know, we talk about how um, one of the issues in in the fall was like self selfishness, mm-hmm. but another word is self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. And self-centeredness is actually very different, I feel. Like selfish, self-centeredness can be like, oh, give me this, me first, me first. But it's also being so caught up with my own insecurity, so caught up with this yeah. and that I can't see beyond myself, right? Like, I really think that's an important thing to, to see because like you were saying, you know, like we're not just beings that are, are motivated only by self-gratification, Maybe people of the Eastern culture and stuff have that kind of mentality more, this more group mentality, able to kind of dwell within the realm of family. But, um, and then kind of the Western is more self-isolating or kind of independent-minded. And like in my own blessing, like that's true. You know, um, I'm I'm very much a private person and my spouse is someone who's from more of a, this kind of communal mentality I think there's pros and cons of each and that's why we need each other because I think uh, actually a part of being able to transcend your own self is to also be able to look within and see where you're holding resentments where you're doing things out of duty and being self-aware enough to know when you're pouring from an empty cup maybe or because I, I don't feel like giving and receiving, I don't know how much you actually get in return if you're doing it from the wrong heart. But also, yeah, just in general, talking about Women's Federation and volunteer work, I was so excited <laughs> uh, when Mother talked about this because Women's Fed does so much amazing work all over the world. But I feel like we, we, we emphasize our serving without really knowing how much knowledge we have to give or how much um, how much deeper we could go with people and that people really need that's not everyone I, I think there's actually a lot of projects that that's their heart and their goal but it's just sometimes the volunteer work is the thing that's advertised yeah I mean you're you're talking about women almost selling themselves short even in in what we're doing and I think we all know about that right so actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like that focus on the internal transformation of heart is what attracted me to Women's Federation. When I was doing my my master's in international development and, you know, you learn about the UN and you learn about the IMF and the World Bank and all these, you know, great projects going on all around the world. Mother talks about there, there are more than 200 nations on this earth with many problems. <laughs> there are numerous organizations trying to address those problems when I as I was thinking about like my future what am I going to do I felt like it's not enough if the people in those organizations are self-centered and thinking about themselves or their own group able to like really yeah see what she's talking about like people are not just worthless beings you know seeing the intrinsic value in other people no matter how much 
junk they might have on top of that you know or no matter how much we might think like oh that person is like this and that person's like that that means they're like no good or unworthy or something like yeah if we can't see each other like that then all these efforts and these external things are not enough yeah i felt like women's federation kind of focused on like we need that internal transformation first and that's why it's so hard because it's something that is very personal and it's something that you cannot force you know we can't go and go around and be like hey guys stop being so selfish <laughs> like <laughs> if we could then you know we'd be so much better like there's so many things that need to be transformed you know just even like transforming one family you have to heal the parents and their own difficulties and there's relationships relationships are complicated it's so so important i feel like that yeah realizing our value and each person knowing that i'm valuable i'm you know i can live for others and i have something to offer and i can't force it <laughs> no and it, it's the kind of thing that takes like consistency it's not like you can go to one great divine principle workshop and then your family is healed and your marriage is healed and your relationship with God is healed and I mean honestly we kind of have that kind of fine print in a lot of what we do as a unificationist church is you know divine principle will save you it will if you can study it and put it into practice and look at yourself in the mirror and realize how much growing you still have left to do just taking the quiz on all you know the parallels of history isn't going to do it for your family so when i'm i'm moved to hear that like what attracted you to women's fed is that point which i think is missing from a lot of our culture as a movement which is the realization of how much i need to grow and change yeah, I need to go out and I need to share it with people, but it doesn't matter. It's not as impactful. It doesn't have a long lasting impact if my family and my personal life can't be a model of that. I hope it's something we as a community can take seriously. I think our generation does. I think because we grew up in the church, I think we see the ideals and also the reality. And so in, in all of our families, I think we're very self-aware of our reality and trying to face it as much as possible but yeah the more authenticity the better in this case for sure actually one of my professors at uts he he says often like we are human beings not human doings <laughs> it's the transformed person who does the doing knowing the truth of the providence the essence of the creator and the purpose for which we, they were born like the truth of the providence is that there's a lot still to heal actually when you don't work on healing those things you aren't emptying yourself out in order to be able to really receive that god's perspective and the truth of the providence is that the providence is messy and full of complicated imperfect relationships <laughs> that's the stuff that we don't study enough like what was it actually like you know in their relationship in their marriage with their children what did they actually talk to each other about <laughs> it's much more complicated than just a single act that was recorded in history no and it's just like i think one of the things that maybe stops the providence is it's really hard to accept that yeah yeah I think that's the first thing in order to do anything, you need to accept that the, the truth of the providence is messy, that your family is messy, that your relationship with your husband or your relationship with men is messy. Like all of these layers need to like be accepted and cleaned out and resolved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when you study, you know, the historical biblical families, providential families, most of the time, 
what led to the failure of that family is the foundation of substance situation most of the time. But it's, I think it's harmful that we study it in such exact science, like, you know, they didn't unite with him at this moment, and this particular thing happened, Cain killed Abel, you know, that, that is an, an aspect of what happened, and that maybe was like the final blow, but there's so much more that led up to why the people couldn't unite with Moses, and why the people at Jesus's time couldn't understand him. It's so much more complicated than how we teach about it. And that doesn't help when translating it into my family because, okay, I have, I, you know, I went to church with my family. Great. Okay. We succeeded. <laughs> you know, my children are blessed. <laughs> we did it. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> if only it was that easy. <laughs> it's not a checkbox. It's like an yes. everyday yes, experience. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like in our church, it's like, do the checkboxes, like get blessed, go to church and do the thing and do that thing and do the mobilization. And it's like, it's more than that. Like, And I think that is also what mother is calling women to do, right? Is to round out the story a little bit because, you know, men and women have great skills that they offer. And I think men, and this is a generalization, but I think men, you know, are very clear and they follow a certain direction and a path and they're passionate and they have the clear goals. But we women, we don't really go the straight path most of the time. We stop and say, okay, we need to like deal with this situation right now and go in a circle for a little bit and then we'll keep going. And we don't have a problem with that, right? We actually think it creates more value and meaning in what we're doing. And, you know, we can't leave anybody behind. We can't yeah, leave, you can't leave your bit. kids behind. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> One is crying and screaming and struggling. <laughs> we got to stop, guys. Yeah, we're not going to church right now. We're going to stop and deal with this and then we'll go to church. <laughs> okay, so moving on in mother's feet. I'm sure we could talk about that forever. But I think it's relevant, this next section here. She says, we are presently working to establish an environment where we can attend Heavenly Parent on Earth. I think that's kind of what we've been talking about, right? She says, in particular, this people, this nation, she's talking about Korea, to which God's only begotten daughter was born for the first time after 6,000 years, must not remain as two countries, but must become one. To this end, it is critical to educate the people not only about God's providence, but about the truth of history as well, so that each can stand in the position to fulfill his or her responsibilities. In this, the role of women is particularly important. Now, mother more and more is highlighting the role of the only begotten daughter and, and elevating that. And I, I think it's important to preface here that, you know, mother is not, you know, putting down father or anything like that, but she is trying to elevate the only begotten daughter and that she's the first coming of that role. You know, father inherited Jesus's mission and, you know, successfully completed it but mother is the first. And so she's really paving a way here in the way that Jesus also had to pave a way here. And I think that comes up a lot in her speeches. She's really clarifying who the only begotten daughter is. Um, and again, this point about the, the truth of history coming up again, like true mother is asking us, like there's, there's truth that people don't understand yet that we need to bring about. And I think that's Yes, that's divine principle. That's everything we know already. But I actually think when she's talking to us in particular, she's saying there's more that I think you women inherently understand that I can't, you know, directly say, but I need you to read between the lines a little bit, trust your intuition a little bit, 
and make the space for the important conversations to happen, which translate like into our everyday life. And why, you know, why is the role of women particularly important? She's talking about, you know, Korea remaining, not remaining as two nations, but as one. You know, that that's a lot of what my work revolves around these days. And we come at it from a very geopolitical realm. But the other day I was listening to Godable and it was a speech from Father on this topic. And he, it really moved me actually. He was saying that the reunification of Korea is not gonna happen until the people of the two Koreas long for each other and love each other and see each other as you know their brothers or their sisters. While we can't make much headway in North Korea in that area, it does make me think about the culture for South Korea who the next generation of South Koreans statistically are not so interested in North Korea and in the reunification. I would maybe add there that that's a role that women play in this reunification is kind of like tugging at the heartstrings of the people of South Korea that those that are in the North are our brothers and are our sisters. They are our family. We have to take care of them. Certainly, Korean culture has that longing heart, right? That desperate, unrequited love kind of energy. If you've ever watched a Korean drama, you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> certainly, I think that's something women could help to you know, bring up as a culture in South Korea to, to strengthen the possibility of reunification and healing on Korea. The phrase that came up for me was, history is written by the victors. Yeah, and she's talking about bringing out the truth of history. Because, yeah, in our historical development, you know, usually one kind of narrative comes out as like the one that gets passed on and gets told. Yeah. Um, and it's usually by the ones who have the most power and they're the victors. But for the people who were kind of disenfranchised or the ones who were conquered or, you know, all kinds of things, they have a different experience. So, you know, like even in this country, we have like amazing advancements and, you know, like top uh, economic situation, technology, blah, blah, blah. But in the process of our development, a lot of people were hurt. And, but we can't just, we can just say like, oh, well, but we're so great. Like we have all these things and then kind of ignore that the, you know, African-Americans, Native Americans, many others were, their experience was totally different, you know, but I think like for a mother, if you're thinking about like just a family unit and if everything's great, if one child is like struggling and really upset and unhappy you have to you have to acknowledge that and you have to yeah. know, well, what's wrong like you can't be like you know we're at the theme park or I don't know the mall or something and but one one child is upset mm -hmm. then you have to stop you have to say like well what's wrong what's going on and what can wow. I do or so like in these kind of bigger level national level worldwide level things I think it's kind of the role of the mother to say hey there's a different perspective here and that doesn't discount like because their experience was like this doesn't mean my experience is wrong or bad but it's just a different experience and we have to hear from each other and we have to acknowledge like somebody was hurt and that doesn't make someone else the bad guy and you know demonize each other but you know just hearing and accepting and saying oh yeah again like the healing we need that healing and we can't do it if we don't acknowledge that people's experiences are different and they're valuable and need to be need to be heard
Wow. I just have to say that's like an incredibly profound analogy. And I mean, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I got chills when you said it. I'm, I'm very grateful for that insight because it, yeah, it applies to the family, but it applies to, it's a difficult situation, right? We can, in our world right now, we can understand both sides, right? We can understand, you know, we don't want to tear down everything we've built because we have something to be proud of. But at the same time, we don't want to ignore the reality of how we got here and the mistakes that we made. And what you're saying is that the motherly heart and energy makes space for both, right? There's enough space for both. And that's, that's headwing, that's godism, that's what true parents are asking us to do. And it's, it's really the mother's heart that emulates that. So that's very profound. Thank you for that. Yeah, something that I really respect and admire about mother, but I know that maybe the 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 rallies for hope have been kind of divisive for people. Many people are uh, <laughs> challenged by the uh, the people on these. I have no idea what you're talking about. Continue. <laughs> I think I really, I mean, I started out that way too. I started to really value watching those because of the way that mother, I observed mother handling the situation. It actually informed me a lot on like how you resolve issues between people. I mean, it's the classic Cain Abel thing, right? And a mother does not just embrace, or a good mother... <laughs> doesn't just embrace her children that are like being nice to one another. In fact, that's probably actually, I mean, but we do see that a lot in society. It's like, let's be real. Like mothers are imperfect beings too. Right. And so there is maybe sometimes a tendency to, with the golden child, overlook any sort of darkness in them. Mm -hmm. And then the problem child, not even see any hope in them. Mm -hmm. kind of sometimes. Um, I mean, I think probably the mothers in that situation still see the good, but not to the fullest extent, obviously, because it doesn't get resolved. But like what mother is doing in those situations is always emphasizing the good and also being very, very clear about the truth of the providence. Like being like she does not <laughs> just because like her audience maybe are are not like members of the church or whatever or even have like a long relationship with us she's straight out like what she's gonna say but she says yeah. it in an emotional space I think yeah like she will be like talking about daffodils and start crying right and like talking about like the heart of God to these people after they've given their speeches about how they're gonna so solve this problem or that or whatever that's another piece of the puzzle of like why maybe mother needs more of these this kind of energy in creating the space for both sides or different sides right because I had this experience with mother a few years ago when I was in Champyang um, when I first started women's federation I was dealing with a lot of stuff that was coming up like a lot of resentments and angers and feelings of difficult feelings that were exposing me to the kind of the, the ugly sides of myself. And it was really, I was finding it really hard to accept myself. You know, we went up to see father's grave site and then we went to pledge service and, you know, the whole day of stuff that you do. And I just kept getting put in positions where I was like somewhat close to mother, like the, the, the pledge service, 
which was so uncomfortable for me because like when you when you're like that right when you feel ugly inside you don't want your parental figure that you admire to see you (laughs) so it was so uncomfortable for me but then like it kept kind of happening and then later on that day we were in the kind of assembly hall and you know like I was feeling still divided or whatever and mother came in she sits down right and then someone prays and so we're praying and I'm just closing my eyes and I'm just you know reflecting and kind of feeling yeah just feeling sorry I guess and I look up after it and like mother's like it feels like mother is staring directly at me like and I just start bawling yeah (laughs) and and then I'm like and then she looks away and then I'm like okay she probably wasn't looking at me (laughs) and also like why was I crying like I don't want to (laughs) cry so I was like oh man and then she like looked back at me And then I like try and put like a smile on my face, like, I'm okay. And she starts like, you know, doing her little grin and the feeling of love and like, just like this overwhelming acceptance of just who I am was so healing for me. And so I've like translated that to this whole experience. I'm sure a lot of people, like whether or not they're seen as the golden politician or the bad politician, all of them are a little bit trapped because you kind in this world, like you expose a weakness or a darkness about yourself. And all of a sudden you're going to be judged. So it's really hard to open up and like get to the space of transparency and authenticity to actually unite with someone else, right. To actually go through the healing process. And so I feel like that's what really mother is hoping for in all of this too. I think that's if more of us can inherit that kind of unconditional love, unconditional presence and acceptance that kind of mother has trained for herself, really something that would be healing for the Korean people. Yeah, I mean, it's true, certainly that being in a room with mother, being close to mother, I've, I've had the same experience where like I'm a few feet from her and just like bawling, like where the heck did that come from? <laughs> But I think it because it's a testimony to who she is and her spirit. And I, you know, to your point, I think when she speaks in front of world leaders, she does get emotional. She's not afraid of it. She is authentically herself, always talking about flowers or you know animals or whatever comes up. And I think it it transcends the traditional geopolitical type leader and speech, but it still touches the hearts of those people who are used to it. And to me, that's the mother's heart. That's something that the world is actually longing for because we've been missing this feminine part of God's heart in everything, in every aspect of our life. And so when it's so, so present, it's so, you know, you can feel it, it's tangible, then it's overwhelming and it it leaves a deep impact on you. And I, I think that's part of what, you know, mother's ability is in this world is that she's touching people in profound ways that we don't even have words for yet. So continuing on in the speech here, she says, a mother's role does not end when she gives birth to a baby after carrying it for 10 months. Mothers continue to protect their babies and keep an eye on them constantly to ensure they grow up well and healthy. Mother's devotion and effort are necessary until their children are capable of making decisions on their own and of discerning right from wrong. And yes, this is absolutely true. And I think we've kind of hinted at it in a few other conversations here. But what comes up for me actually is 
this is actually how mother treats our members <laughs> that we're still in a certain stage and she her devotion and her effort is still necessary until we're capable of making our own decisions and ourselves discerning right from wrong and i kind of see it with the leaders meetings that Yes, trusts people and puts people in positions, but she does correct them when they're wrong, just like a mom does and says, this is actually not what you're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be doing. But she does it in a very motherly way. And I appreciate that. You know, it's it's not like you're not getting smacked in the head, but you are in the, in the motherly way being encouraged to do the right thing and to kind of like stir their original mind and original heart to respond to that guidance from her. Sometimes like I'll be at the train station, for example, and I'm by myself. They're not there with me, but I'm like, what would I do if one of the kids fell in the train tracks? Totally. Have a plan. I'd jump down there. I'd throw them up first. Right. <laughs> and then even like when I was pregnant the first time I asked my husband, like, you know, if it came down to it, like, you have to save either me or the baby. Which one would you choose? Oh, and he's God. like, I would choose you, of course. And I'm like, how dare you? Wrong you answer. Save, save that baby. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Anyways, just the perspective. Yeah, how much we just, you know, part of that is just we remember when the baby was was part oh. of us, basically. Our bodies stretched and bled and rearranged itself to make room for this child and to give it life and you know there was a time when you didn't know where you ended and the baby began we were yeah. just so close to each other I feel like that's how God feels about us God is like you're my child and I know it because because I made you and I'm always thinking about you and you know you can't like divorce yourself from me because I know I was there <laughs> Yeah, that's an incredibly deep point. And, you know, God feels that way about all of us. And even in this speech, True Mother spends more time talking about Korea and she's talking about the history and what they've been through because she has that motherly heart for the Korean people. And then she says, thanks to God's protection, however, the true parents and ancestors of humanity long awaited by heaven who can give new life to all humanity as God's children were born among the Korean people. What would have happened if the providence of the only begotten daughter had begun in earnest at the time of their advent? And I want to put a pin on this because I think this is an extremely important point, but I want to read a little bit more to give it some context. It is the true parents, the true mother, and the only begotten daughter who can give rebirth to fallen people. Next year, we will dedicate the channel sanctum where we will be able to attend Heavenly Parent then indeed the substantial environment that Heavenly Parent had desired, dreamed of, and waited for for over 6,000 years will finally emerge. The issue, however, is that those on the Korean Peninsula, especially absolutely everyone in South Korea, need to be engrafted as the people of the Heavenly Parent. You, the members of the Women's Federation, have a critical role to play in this task. There's a little bit more to get to, but I do want to talk about this point together. Mother has been asking this question a lot in many of her recent speeches about what would have happened if the identity of the only begotten daughter had been recognized at the time of true parents' blessing. What would have happened if her role as the, the other half of the true parents had really been elevated from the beginning? 
and how different the providence may have played out. Doesn't mean, you know, anybody's bad or whatever. It, it just means that mother's looking at her responsibility and how she hasn't been able to accomplish it fully until this point in history. And this point here that it's the true mother, it's the only begotten daughter, along with true father, right, who can give rebirth to the fallen people. I mean, that role of the mother physically, no, it's just like you were saying, Katerina, it's the moms who carried them for many, many months and felt them inside of them and couldn't separate their identity, right? It's the mom who gives that rebirth. It's the father who plants the seed, but it's the mother who gives the birth, the rebirth. And we're talking in a spiritual sense of how do we actually bring rebirth is through the mother. And I think it's interesting when you look at what father has accomplished, father planted so many seeds. That is who he is. He just had incredible ideas and incredible vision and incredible leadership. And he did so much. He shook up the world. And now it's true mother who's carrying on certain aspects of what father has invested in and, and giving life to it, giving birth to it, letting those things blossom in a way that a mother would, like really nurturing and watering those things and feeding those things. But I think spiritually, when we talk about people in Christianity, you talk about the Holy Spirit giving you rebirth, right? And we understand that as a feminine entity, but that's why it's, it's, it's so exciting about mother's leadership right now. And yeah, I, I get some people still struggle with the idea of the only begotten daughter, but I really resonate with this idea that within the true parents, it's the true father who plants the seed and it's the true mother who gives rebirth, you know, who, who brings those things up. And it's very exciting to me. One of the things I do want to acknowledge, I mean, you were saying, right, there's no like bad guy or whatever. It's just like, I really think we need to also remember that, like, true parents and everybody in this whole thing, I mean, they were pioneering something. So what does yeah. pioneering mean? <laughs> pioneering means, you know, doing the best they can given what they know, but being guided with the right heart. I think it's okay to acknowledge maybe sometimes feeling a sense of, I don't know, among women, a sense of frustration or whatever, but being able to digest that and go through that because I think that's what mother did too he digested that in the other translation after she asked that question there's another sentence it says I think that fallen humanity would have been born again entirely that time I think you know there is like a what if but also it's really she's kind of asking like you were saying for the sake of us understanding what we can do now <laughs> This is now, again, what we can do. Also, you know, we were talking about how it's the father that plants the seed, it's the mother that brings rebirth. Like true parents started that, they established that, true mother established rebirth. And sometimes like what was coming up for me when you were talking about that, Kayla, was I think that sometimes we don't fully understand that like they are the model and we are to inherit. And what does someone who inherit does? <laughs> you become that as well. And so I feel like she has immense hope in the women. I mean, she's talking specifically about Korea right now, right? So just like what could have happened back then, you know, this entire fallen humanity would have been born again entirely. Well, that can happen now and it actually has to happen now. That's what she's saying, right? Like all of Korea <laughs> need to understand who they are and their identity. Also, I, I feel like it's mother instilling a sense of, you know that you can also be the mother figure, right? And this is something that I've also experienced in the Women's Federation, like a deep, 
like a growing sense of understanding that I feel like in women's federation yeah we're we're doing all of these things and we're like trying to help people but also it's meant for me it's a space in which I am literally it's my job <laughs> to try and understand mother and literally it's my job to try and bring that spirit into what I do in a sense by being being a member of women's federation is someone who is tasked with the responsibility of really trying to inherit from our mother yeah I mean I think you're right on and when you read mother's speeches sometimes it can feel like she's lifting herself up sometimes but what you're saying and i and i agree with it is that actually she's doing that for our sake so that we can also develop the sense of confidence in who we are and our identity because it's actually quite difficult and you know it to me that's the reason the fall happened is that eve didn't understand her value and she got confused and she got lost she lost her connection with god and she got you know, tricked by somebody else. But I, I feel like when she talks about these things, she's doing it for our sake, for women. It's in incredibly important to perceive it that way. Okay, so here's the last section of the speech here. I'm going to read both of these paragraphs and we can close out together. You must educate those around you, your region, tribe, and your nation with a motherly heart and give them new life. That is so that through the true parents, they can receive heavenly parents' blessing and rise to the position of God's true children. Our path lies in splendor before us. There is nothing to impede us. We are confident. We have nothing to fear. Why do you hesitate? I have said on several occasions that if you walk in unity with me, miracles will happen. Do you believe this? Through your accomplishments as Women's Federation members, your husbands will also win great medals. That is killing two birds with one stone. Will you do it? I pray you will all become members of the Women's Federation that are qualified to establish Heaven's traditions, educate others, and help them be reborn as God's true sons and daughters. I believe in all of you. Let us do our very best. To me, these paragraphs and even the last few sentences are kind of the perfect summary of everything we've been talking about. She's, you know, reemphasizing the role of women is to educate, but we've been talking about how that's so much more than just an intellectual education, but to really cultivate. I think I like that word, cultivate it. And then she's talking about there's nothing blocking us, that we are confident. You know, she's saying it like an affirmation. We are confident. <laughs> can see you know us doing it in front of a mirror we have nothing to fear <laughs> and you know over and over mother's asking us you know if you unite with me then I promise you're going to see miracles happen and I think uniting with her is is not just obeying and not just doing what she says but it's this point we were just talking about grace where I am building the same level of confidence and ownership that I see in true mother in myself as a woman, as a, as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter. Uh, to me, that's very hopeful. To me, that is healing and that is restoration of what's left from the fall for women. I think men have their course of restoration from the fall, but this is our course of restoration, is to have confidence in who we are as women, as God's feminine representatives, and not hide behind that, not be ashamed of that, not be overwhelmed by our emotions, but trust that these are actually God-given emotions and intuitions and insights that 
the world needs at this time. So in a sense, right, like this is as the speech, one one way I can think of as a woman is like, finally, see, like, (laughs) see, women are important, (laughs) right? And while that's not like necessarily wrong, I mean, mother is saying that like we're important. I think like there's another aspect of me that like feels repentful. What I see here is mother is calling for a specific type of woman to be able to rise up. Every woman can become this type of woman, but it's just, it's not easy. (laughs) Like if we look at mother's course, like mother, you know, she's asking us to unite with her. It's like, what does inheriting mother mean? It doesn't mean we get to just inherit all the glory of where she is now. It really means like learning from her course. What did she have to go through? Of course, I don't think we necessarily have to go through literally everything that mother went through. I mean, that was incredibly painful. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm a newly married person. So like a lot of things are coming up for me (laughs) and (laughs) yeah, like really being exposed to sometimes like the self-righteous kind of frustration that things aren't the way that I think they should be. You know, here it says, you know, she's talking about how your accomplishments as members of Women's Federation it means that your husbands will also win great medals. In the other translation, it says that your achievements will be recognized by your husband. And I hope that your husbands will give grand medals to their wives. I think both translations have something to give, but something that it brings up for me is kind of the point of the principle is like, who gets to determine whether you're victorious? When a subject partner is victorious, who determines that? It's the object. Like in true love, you know, subject and object goes around and around and around. And so we have, I think mother is pointing to like the aspects in which women have more of a subject role in like being a motherly heart and all of that. But who gets to decide that we're victorious in that? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we we hope that we get to be, but it's actually, I mean, she's going to the point that it's our husbands, it's our children, it's our brothers. It's, I know for my own self, like it's It's a reality that sometimes, if I'm honest with myself, is hard to accept because I don't want it to be that way. If we really like look at it, like that's what true victory means is like, that's what being like, for me, that's what being a qualified, what does she say? Becoming members of Women's Federation that are qualified to establish heaven's traditions are women that are able to do that. It makes me reflect on myself. Like how much have I been able to become a person of such a character that like, my husband or my brother or the person that I'm trying to bring something to can say that about me. The other part of that section where mother's talking about by by women having great accomplishments, the, the men will also is it, right after it says that's killing two birds with one stone. And I think I think a lot of women in our church are used to their husbands leading the way and are used to serving their husbands or taking care of the family while the husband is out. And I mean, look at us, we're three public women. (laughs) And, you know, Katerina's husband and my husband are supportive, but they're not the ones that are in the public church role. Grace, you have a very public husband. But I think that's, that's a shift. And it's different. I think there's a benefit to it to be a, a public woman, 
because I bring with me all my womanly type leadership, my children in my mind all the time, that perspective, and it brings a lot to the table. I also bring my husband with me in my heart, right? As women, I think we can't separate from our relationships. We're so emotionally intertwined all the time that it's actually, it's a benefit because I feel my husband is with me in the work that I do. I don't feel it's just my job. I feel it's our offering that we make together. He feels the same way. I think mother's giving permission for women also to feel confident to take the lead and to maybe be the more public person in the family and that it's not disrespecting your husband in the tradition of of not serving and being subservient, but it's actually honoring and uplifting your husband because they will also receive the, the accolade. They will also be lifted up because you're a couple and you're one. And I think specifically she's speaking to Korean women in this conference because uh, the Korean culture is pretty traditional, right? There's a certain perspective of the role of men and women. And while that's evolving, there's still the reality. So maybe for us, it's not foreign, right, for women to be leaders. But I think for the Korean culture, she's really calling on Korean women to not be in the in the shadows anymore, but to really step forward. You know, sometimes we think that in order to build somebody up, we have to tear someone else down. When we say women are important and you're critical, we might say in our minds or we think in the between the lines is like get out of the way men you're not critical and important the way women have to lead and you know bring about this revolution and to bring god's love and as she says you know helping people be reborn as true sons and daughters is not by women becoming like men you know we have to be true to ourselves and then there has to be like understanding of both are important and valuable not like step aside we're gonna do this now <laughs> we got this guys like <laughs> you messed it up so. <laughs> But if we do that, you know, we flip everything on the head, on its head, we're going to mess it up too. Yes. You know, we need each other and we need to be authentic to to ourselves. I also think about, you know, the meaning of unity. A lot of times in our church, we think unity means do what I'm telling you to do. That's how you uni unite. You should want to do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking about how we can, as women, understand True Mother as a role model and what she's been through, but also not feel like we have to be exactly like her. We're not exactly like her. You know, we each also have our own unique qualities and life situations and everything and experiences that are different than what True Mother went through. Boiling it down to the essentials and the internal qualities. How can we do that? I don't have the answer. That's just my question. That's my lifelong question right now. Yeah, I mean, that's an important point when you look at true parents, right? That what you just said is we need to emulate the heart and the personality, and, and but recognize that they're people. I think that's been very difficult for our generation and maybe why so many of them have distanced themselves is because we put them up on a pedestal and said we all need to become just like true parents. But there's the heart of true parents and then there's the person of true parents, which is built on cultural and, you know, in their the time period that they lived and their life experiences, which are unique to them. And we're never going to be able to be that. We have our own life experiences and culture and different time period that we're living in that shape who we are. So I think your point there is very meaningful to see mother and father as people, but also as people we, you know, we want to inherit their heart and manifest that in the unique way that we would in our life. Well, thank you both for joining me today. And also thank you for, you know, sticking with the work of Women's Federation. I know it's not easy and I know it's 
not always the organization that gets the most credit and recognition. <laughs> and I feel for you there, but I mean, I hope as people listen to this, they you're both representing very proudly Women's Federation, both USA and international, because I think you are really representing True Mother's heart behind it and her hope for where we can go as a women's movement as well. So thank you both. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us.